I'm Mickey Edwards with Edwards Cattle in Lampasas, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello Texas, we are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state of the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, U.S. corn farmers are expected to produce a record corn crop this year. The latest USDA crop progress and supply and demand report shows a record 15.3 billion bushels of corn could be coming down the road. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We could wind up having a good year for summer crops in the Texas High Plains, but as always, farmers do have challenges to address. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The Central Texas corn harvest will begin soon. Meanwhile, the region's hay meadows and cotton fields need some summertime rain. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA's latest crop production and supply and demand report released Wednesday calls for record high corn production this year. Farmers expected to grow 15.32 billion bushels. If that happens, it will be the largest corn crop ever produced here in the U.S. That news weighed heavily on corn prices, but that's not the only factor pushing corn prices down. Texas A&M grain marketing specialist Mark Welch says corn continues to struggle with weak demand. If you look at the numbers of grain-consuming animal units as a measure they update for us every month, that number has been trending lower the last year or two, primarily because of what's happening in the cattle market. We know with the drought, that's impacted so much of the U.S. and the cattle herds. The sell-off that's been going on there, our cattle on feed numbers are lower year over year. And you know we may see some rebound on the poultry side, but there's going to be some challenge growing that feed demand base, given what's going on in the cattle market. And the other big market for U.S. corn is ethanol. In a time of economic challenges, perhaps a recession still on the horizon, that gasoline demand forecast is one that's going to be challenging moving ahead for the rest of 2023 and again, perhaps into 2024. Welch says export competition for corn continues to remain high, with Brazil growing a big crop this year. Here in Texas, we have seen a dramatic turnaround in our corn crop. Last year, we had the worst crop in the nation. This year, it's one of the best. The latest crop ratings show 64% of the Texas corn crop rated good to excellent, 26% rated fair, 
and 10% of the crop rated poor to very poor. Christy Slough is the county agent in Hansford County in the northern Texas panhandle. Most of the corn in Hansford County looks phenomenal right now. The biggest thing is, is producers had a little break in May where they got it in right before the rain started, and it has really helped producers out economically even because they've been able to leave the sprinkler and the irrigation wells off for a while, which has allowed them to save some money through natural gas, things like that. But the biggest thing is, is the corn has really enjoyed this cooler weather and this wet weather. Slough says the sorghum crop in her county is looking good also, but there have been some problems with too much rain. Milo, it's looking good where it didn't drown out. There are some places where the Milo just could not come up, though, because it got too wet. But where it did come up, it's looking good. Statewide, the Texas sorghum crop is rated 54% good to excellent, 26% fair, and 10% poor to very poor. We could have a good year for row crops on the Texas High Plains, but James Hunt tells us farmers there still have some challenges to address. In many ways, farmers faced a challenging start to this season, but we now have crops growing across the Texas High Plains, and by various accounts, they're doing pretty well overall. However, those crops will need to be attended to to help them along. Yesterday, Russell French of French Agronomics in Amarillo shared some thoughts on irrigation and fertility. Other advice he has for corn growers includes this. In a wet year like the one we're having, plant diseases like gray leaf spot and northern leaf blight can be a problem. And even though there aren't many of them out there right now, spider mites are something else to be ready to tackle. My populations definitely will increase four times faster than normal after the corn is pollinated versus prior to pollination. So uh, there's still a lot of the summer left to go. And uh, my experience is still a, a good insurance policy to go ahead and do that fungicide and miticide application and uh, protect this crop that looks really good for most people. Now for the cotton farmers out there, Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers is urging protecting your fields against flea hoppers and ligus bugs. And be ready with plant growth regulators where needed. In areas that have gotten the heavier amounts of the spotty rainfall that's occurred across the area, we need to be watching the, the growth and development of that crop and make sure that we don't allow the crop to become too vegetative and uh, get too growthy on us so that we can continue to maintain those nutrients into the bowl load and not get too vegetative or growthy by the end of the season. Our thanks to Russell French and Mark Brown for their advice. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Central Texas corn harvest is getting underway, while cotton and pastures there need a good rain. Tom Nicoletti has an update from Waco. Now with us, Dr. Shane McClellan reporting on agricultural activities in Central Texas. And here we are in the middle of July, Shane, and uh, the corn harvest is about to start in Central Texas. Uh, Fill us in on uh, what you know there and what you're uh, hearing from farmers. Corn harvest is about to start, and I've heard anywhere on, on yield estimates from 60 bushels an acre to 180 bushels an acre. Some fields may may have a record crop, while others are below average, and it's just just matches our sketchy rainfall. Um, it rained really good 
uh, early in the growing season, some smaller amounts, uh, no big rains. Once we got into the month of June, then most of the rain it has stopped. We could use a timely rain too late for our corn crop, but it could definitely help other crops. Yeah, that is quite a variety, widespread, 60 to 180 uh, bushels per acre on the uh, corn. It is, and those that receive rainfall, they're, they're going to make a good crop. And moisture is always the most limiting factor in our soils on crop production. We can grow just about anything in the county of these blackland soils. However, moisture is what, what limits our, our goal if we're real productive or if we're on the low end of, of yield. Talk about the, the need for uh, rain uh, on the cotton crop in, in the Blacklands. Cotton had a rough start early. Just emergence in general was slow. When cotton finally got up and received enough heat units, it really grew off well. And cotton's blooming, and it's it's kind of getting on the, on the back end of production as far as yield potential on cotton. If we receive the rain now, it, we could still make some pretty good cotton. However, we're getting kind of later into the growing season, and Kind of short on moisture, cotton is a plant that will push that root deeper into the soil profile to take advantage of any available moisture, and we just don't have any deep soil moisture. Lack of large rainfall events, uh, runoff type events, and even slow soaking rains, we just haven't had them. And I'm afraid our cotton crop is, is going to go down from here if we don't get a good rain soon. Now, producers have been uh, harvesting uh, hay, but uh, they also need rain, hopefully uh, be able to uh, have uh, more than uh, just a cutting. They have, Tom. Most people have had at least two cuttings. Some, if if they receive some of these scattered rains on their third cutting, warm season forages are really drying down. You see some of them turn a, a yellow or brown because they're running out of moisture in the soil. As producers cut the, that hay, um, a lot of hay, you know, is, is not in our area, but we are taking advantage of the hay that is there, cutting the grass and putting that up. Haven't really seen hay prices come down a whole lot. There is some hay available in our area compared to you know, last year, but not the production that we thought we might get early on in the season when it was raining, and all those smaller scattered rain showers. If we don't get a rain and, or several rains through the summer, then we're, we're going to be on the short side of hay again. Finally, how are uh, livestock uh, faring in this heat and dry conditions? The last two weeks to really almost 21 days have been hard on livestock. Anytime we get temperatures above 100 degrees, livestock are seeking shade. I know they're they're going to look for moisture somewhere. Wherever that watering spot is, they're going to hang out. Grazing at night, not a lot of grazing during the day. The high humidity has been really hard on livestock and people too if they're working outside so everybody's got to take care and, and definitely hydrate if you're if you're out there working in the peat but the humidity coupled with triple digit temperatures have been hard on livestock and when we do get a small break in that, that daytime temperature uh, and i say even in the, the high 90s it's much better than you being in those triple digits Shane, thanks for your report. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan. He is reporting today on agricultural news from Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new study reveals that some deer can carry the virus that causes COVID in humans. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's a good idea to have a biosecurity plan in place to prevent animal disease outbreaks. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? 
We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's a good idea to have a biosecurity plan in place to prevent animal disease outbreaks. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Regardless of the type of animal you raise, biosecurity is critical to your success because a lack of biosecurity can ruin your business. I have a personal example of this as I had a paint horse breeder as a client with 10 nice broodmares and to help a friend, he allowed the friend to bring an unvaccinated nine-month-old colt to his farm. Unfortunately, the colt broke with strangles and all of his broodmares also became infected. Some of the broodmares were so severely affected that they could not breathe and required a tracheostomy surgery. After all the horses finally cleared up, we found two of his best mares were chronic carriers of strangles. Because the chronic carriers would require extensive and expensive treatment to rid them of the infection, he decided to get rid of his entire herd, and all because he allowed a friend to bring a horse over for just a few days. So biosecurity is measures taken to prevent the introduction and spread of disease in a herd. Dr. Rosalind Biggs indicates at Drovers.com that there are state and national biosecurity programs, but each farm and ranch needs their own plan, and you must stick to the plan. There are three key principles to a biosecurity plan, and the first is to put someone in charge as the biosecurity manager. For a small operation, this will likely be the owner, or at least someone that spends a lot of time at the facility. Secondly, you need a written plan for operations, considering movement of animals and people. Lastly, establish a line of separation between your property and the outside world. Many of you are likely using biosecurity to some degree, but your veterinarian or the AgriLife Extension Service vets can make sure your plan covers all aspects of biosecurity. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new study reveals that some deer can carry the virus that causes COVID in humans. Jessica Domel takes a look at that study in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has released the results of its research into whether white-tailed deer can carry the virus that causes COVID-19 in humans. According to USDA's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, the first year of studies and sampling of wild white-tailed deer have shown that SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19 infections in humans, is likely to have spread widely within the U.S. white-tailed deer population. APHIS says research shows that the virus was transmitted from humans to deer, mutated, and was potentially transmitted back to humans. APHIS says the research is helping scientists understand if members of the deer family are acting as a host or reservoir species for the virus. Dr. Mike Watson, APHIS acting administrator, says additional research using a One Health approach is needed to understand what the risks are to wildlife conservation and public health with continued circulation of the disease in wildlife. APHIS research into the subject is ongoing. The research has expanded now to include other members of the deer family and include additional states. During its first year, APHIS and its partners sampled 11,000 white-tailed deer for SARS-CoV-2. 
The virus was detected in 12.2% of white-tailed deer. 31.6% of the tested deer reportedly had antibodies, indicating that they had previously been exposed to the virus. APHIS says there is no evidence that animals play a significant role in spreading the virus to humans. Research on how the virus behaves in different animals, how it moves between animals and people, and what can be done to interrupt the chain of transmission is ongoing. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded mostly lower for much of the afternoon on Thursday as corn traded higher. Just before the close, August live cattle did move a little bit higher. August live cattle up two cents to 176.90. October live cattle down 15 cents to 180.10. December live cattle even at 183.37. Feeder cattle also traded lower despite strong demand. August feeder cattle down a dollar 57 to 245. September feeder cattle down a dollar 95 to 247.32. October feeder cattle down 220 to 248.57. Box beef was mixed Thursday. Choice down $3.29 to 307.69. Select up $1.75 to 282.85. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Henry Pickett, Abilene Livestock. They sell them every Tuesday. Henry, how was the sale this week? Well, it ended up pretty good. The market was steady to stronger and it was pretty good we ended up with about a little over 625 127 cows we had some lean cattle this week we had some 765 pound steers bring 245 had some 660 pound weaned heifers bring 220 and then we had uh, some 350 weight calves to bring 315 a pound and then the packer bull and cow deal was really good we had some packer cows bring upwards to 122 and packer bull 135 we had some really nice young four-year-old pairs to go back to the country. They bring 1925 and some nice four- and five-year-old long-bred cows for 1650 So overall, it was a really good start back to the sale day. Good. Anybody tell you they're bringing some more next week? We've got several deals of yearlings lined up. They're still having problems getting them out out west where they had a lot of rain and had some... Uh, roads washed out but it sounds like in another two weeks we'll have some pretty good strings of yearlings coming well tell everybody how to get a hold of you 
here at the barn we can be reached at 325-673-7865 or my cell phone number is 940-733-8208 henry we appreciate you and we'll talk to you next week thank you and neighbor thank you too for joining us here on the texas farm bureau radio network for my program walking the pins i'm larry marble you're listening to us right this second on texas ag today on Thursday, lean hogs recovered from closing sharply lower on Wednesday thanks to export sales to China and Mexico, support of higher pork cutout values, and packer interest in the cash market. July lean hogs up $1.17 to $102.35. August lean hogs up $1.15 to $96.50. Block cheese rose 5.5 cents to $1.53, the highest level since May 24th. Barrel cheese rose a penny to $1.40. July class 3 milk down 3 cents to $13.84 a hundredweight. August class 3 milk up 55 cents to $15.37 a hundredweight. Cotton closed slightly higher on Thursday, thanks in part to Wednesday's producer price index, which is a measure of what wholesalers pay for goods. That rose 0.1% in June. That report sent the dollar materially lower, which did impact cotton. October cotton up 28 points to 82.79. December cotton up 3 points to 81.68. December cotton up 3 points to 81.68. And as we mentioned earlier, corn did trade higher on Thursday. Analysts say it was supported by a rebound in soybean trade and improved weekly export sales. July corn up 43 and three quarters to 593 and a half. September corn up 17 and a quarter to 493 and a half. December corn up 16 and three quarters to 500 and a half. July hard red wheat up three to 807 and a quarter. September hard red wheat up three to 806 even. December hard red wheat up three and three quarters to 810 and three quarters. August natural gas fell eight cents Thursday to 254. September natural gas fell six cents to 253. Oil hit nearly a three month high Thursday as U.S. inflation data implied interest rates are close to their peak. That's according to Reuters. August crude oil up $1.13 to 76.88 a barrel. September crude oil up $1.22 to $76.76 a barrel. The Dow rose 42 points Thursday to 34,388. The S&P 500 up 31 points to 4,503. The Nasdaq up 192 points to 14,111. That wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domol, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.